Welcome everyone to Ask Anarchan, our podcast series where we discuss a topic relating to the work that we do here at Natural Resources Canada, or Anarchan for short. Today, we're going to explore a type of clean energy that tends to be forgotten or overlooked by most of us. We talk a lot about hydro, solar, and wind as clean energy sources, but what about nuclear energy? Should it be part of the conversation as well? Now, before we get in too deep, let me explain the format of the show to you in case you're, you're new to the podcast. How this works is that I'll introduce a topic, we'll discuss it with one of our Anarchan experts, and then we'll look to you to continue the conversation over social media. At the end of the episode, if you have any questions on today's topic, we encourage you to go on Twitter and tweet at us using the hashtag AskAnarchan. Our expert will do his or her best to answer all relevant questions. Sounds good? Okay, let's get started. So in studio today, we have Diane Cameron, Director of the Nuclear Energy Division here at NRCAN, and Dave McCauley, Director of Uranium and Radioactive Waste Division. Dave, Diane, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having us. Nice to be here. Oh yeah, let's just jump right into it. I want to start by addressing something that's top of mind for most of us. There's kind of this stigma surrounding nuclear energy. Uh, there's some that are concerned or even have fears on, of the technology itself. So let's, let's just get right into it. Is nuclear energy safe? So that's a great question. And I would open by saying um, that we have a great regulator in Canada, a great uh, independent uh, nuclear safety regulator. And Canada regularly opens its doors to international scrutiny on our practices to ensure that our standards and practices are world-leading. In fact, our regulator, that's the CNSC, Canadian Nuclear Safety Commission, is recognized as one of the top nuclear regulators in the world and is subject to regular international peer review. Canada's nuclear industry, we have an excellent safety record spanning several decades, and there has been no public harm from the operation of nuclear power plants in Canada. That's a pretty good track record. Um, let's talk uranium, because I think that's one of the concerns that most people have. I think, Dave, this question would go to you. Uh, what kind of uranium do we use in Canadian technology? <clears throat> so uh, we use unenriched uh, uranium. Uh, Canada is the second largest producer of uranium in the world, and we export it uh, broadly around the world. Uh, in Canada, in the can-do technology, we use uh, unenriched natural uranium. And uh, when I say unenriched natural uranium, it's unenriched uh, for the isotope U-235. And so our material <coughs> is uh, mined in Saskatchewan. It's uh, milled in Saskatchewan, refined in Blind River, Ontario, and then made into fuel in Port Hope, Ontario, and then uh, uh, pelletized, and it's uh, put right into can-do reactors. Okay, so enriched uranium, would that be more dangerous or just...? Uh, it's higher levels of radioactivity. Okay. It's enriched in the isotope of uranium, uh, isotope uranium-235, and it's enriched to levels of uh, around 3% okay. for use in um, light water reactors. Now, we don't use light water reactors in Canada. We use heavy water reactors. So f for our exports of uranium, uh, they're uh, enriched in the countries uh, that uh, use light water reactors. I see. Um, so you're talking about radioactive, uh, what about the radioactive waste? How much waste uh, do our power plants generate? So currently, um, we have, um, over the full course of our use of uh, nuclear um, energy, uh, we have a volume of high-level 
uh, radioactive waste, or we refer to it as nuclear fuel waste, uh, in the amount of uh, a volume that would fill uh, roughly seven hockey rinks to the top of the boards. That's since since the beginning. Since 1973, since so roughly 1973. So very limited amounts of of nuclear fuel waste. There are other forms of radioactive waste, but nuclear fuel waste is really the most hazardous. Uh, aspect. It's, uh, it's uh, highly radioactive and uh, so much must be managed very carefully, isolated, and uh, uh, certainly uh, it, uh, it remains radioactive for tens of thousands of years. So wh- where do we store this waste? Is there do we have the infrastructure to contain it for that long? Yes, absolutely. All, all radioactive waste in Canada is uh, managed safely at uh, storage facilities. In terms of nuclear fuel waste, uh, the waste is managed at the reactor site where it's generated, either in pools, uh, wet pools, or um, after a period of uh, roughly 10 years, it's moved into dry canisters above ground and uh, <clears throat> uh, eventually it will be moved into uh, a deep geologic repository for disposal. Okay. Um, so if we look at the history, like, uh, Deanne, you, you said that there's no uh, history of, of an incidence in Canada. Is that correct? Uh, that's right. There's been no public harm from the operation of nuclear power plants in Canada since CANDU started operating in Canada. Okay, well, that, yeah. that's we interesting. Have a, we have a great safety record in Canada. It's good to know. Um, let's move to clean energy because that's one of the, the things that I wanted to talk about today is uh, nuclear seems to be a forgotten clean energy. Um, so how does it compare to other clean energies like wind and solar? I think that's a great question, and it's an interesting um it's an interesting turn of phrase that you're using, forgotten. Uh, it is forgotten in some uh, discussions, but actually uh, the reality is uh, the International Energy Agency has projected that in order for us to meet our two-degree scenario, so countries under the Paris Agreement have committed to try to c- limit global warming average to two degree uh, to the two degrees, and all of the pathways that the International Energy Agency has identified for us to meet that target require at least a doubling of global installed nuclear capacity by 2040. Um, so it's it's not front and center in a lot of the discussions, especially the public discussions, but if you speak amongst um, scientists and amongst climate experts, many will recognize the importance of nuclear as a non-emitting source of energy that's presently available and on the scales that we need it um, in order to, to make our climate targets. Okay, so how clean is nuclear compared to like solar or wind? Like, are, uh, Is it me- measured in greenhouse gas emissions? Like, Sure, uh, it's a good question. So Um, For example, uh, the definition of clean energy, Um, you definitely have to take into consideration um, emissions and greenhouse gas emissions. And so if if your principal objective is to address climate change, then your main metric for for defining what clean means has to include uh, greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, There are other considerations, of course, also water use, land use, uh, waste management, end of life cycle. But as Dave has set out on the nuclear side, we have a full life cycle management. Yes, um, I'd like to pick up on that point. Uh, In Canada, um, our wastes are managed 
from the day they're produced until they're the day they're disposed of. And operators are required to set aside the funds required for the full management of uh, their wastes uh, um, until they're disposed of and even beyond there for ongoing uh, monitoring and maintenance. And in fact, comparing electricity generated by nuclear, I mean, we really internalize all the costs of waste management into the cost of electricity for uh, for consumers. So this is what the utilities do. Okay, that, that brings an interesting question. Um, the cost related to, to nuclear energy, um, like uh, electricity driven by nuclear, how is it more expensive than uh, hydro or? So uh, it has a different cost. Uh, profile, so to speak. There are definitely significant upfront capital costs associated with building nuclear power plants. Um, but then over the course of the life of the nuclear power plant, the, the operating costs and the fuel costs tend to be quite low, and the power plants can generate power over several decades. If you look at the refurbishments of the Ontario uh, nuclear power plants that are taking place at Bruce Power, uh, the price over the life of the agreement will be approximately 7.7 .7 cents per kilowatt hour. At Ontario Power Generation for the Darlington site, uh, their costs will be approximately 8.1 cents per kilowatt hour. And so those costs are absolutely competitive with other baseload generation options. And as Dave mentioned, the price for nuclear generation in Canada is fully inclusive of all, of all costs, including the waste management and decommissioning. So how many power plants do we have in Canada? How many power plants or how many nuclear power plants? Uh, nuclear power plants, sorry. Uh, there are 19 operating nuclear power reactors at four individual sites. Okay. Uh, Mainly in uh, Ontario uh, and then one in uh, New Brunswick. Really? Why, why is it mostly in Ontario? Uh, why are we, don't, don't we have them across the country? I think that um, Ontario probably uh, uh, relies on nuclear because uh, it was recognized as uh, uh, an appropriate generation technology. It's up to the provinces to determine uh, how they're going to su supply their electricity. And in other provinces, I think there are other options that are more economic uh, for development, such as in British Columbia, you have hydroelectric uh, plants in Manitoba, in Quebec, and in the uh, Prairie Provinces. They've traditionally relied on uh, uh, thermal energy or fossil fuel-generated uh, uh, electricity. Do you think that the, the perception that nuclear, uh, like the ne negative perception that nuclear energy has with, you know, uh, Chernobyl, uh, Three Mile Island, Fukushima, do you think that is preventing uh, the technology from having a, a being a more, a, like a more prominent, having a more prominent role in Canada's energy mix? So it, so um, it's a great question. I'd like to unpack it into a couple parts. Um, first of all, nuclear already has a fairly prominent role in Canada's electricity mix. So our electricity mix is 80% decarbonized, more than 80%, and a big part of that, it's mostly hydro, but a big part of it is is nuclear. So nuclear accounts for about 15% of national electricity production, and that's about 33% in New Brunswick and about 63% in Ontario. Um, but it is up to the provinces to decide. We have shared jurisdictions, so the, the federal government has a role to play, um, 
we set certain policies, especially with respect to nuclear liability, nuclear waste management, nuclear research and development. Uh, we play a convening role on a number of uh, international engagements on nuclear, uh, but it is the provinces that decide what to build, and they take that decision based on their uh, their endowments of natural resources, like Dave mentioned hydro, on costs, but also on public perception. The interesting thing to know about um, public perception is it's it's I find this fascinating every time someone brings this up. Other sources of energy have decreasing public acceptance the closer you get to the facility. So the closer you live to a coal-fired plant or the closer you live to large-scale hydro and the closer you live to wind turbines, um, the lower your public acceptance of that form of energy. Um, the, actu- the opposite is actually true with nuclear energy. So you'll find that the communities in the vicinity of Bruce Power, which is the largest nuclear power plant operating in the world today. Um, the communities surrounding Bruce Power are quite um, are quite accepting of nuclear. Uh, they understand uh, how it works. They understand uh, the safety uh, uh, standards that are, are being maintained. And, uh, and they also tend to be employed uh, with really good, high-quality, high-tech jobs. Well, that, that helps for sure. Do you think education is the way to get uh, more... Uh, public, uh, the, the, the Canadian public on board for an increased nuclear pl- presence based on what you just said? So my view is that we have to get real about the conversation about climate change and acknowledge that there are no silver bullets, no perfect options. Um, we have to be uh, looking at the full set of options that are available to us. We know that we have essentially a carbon budget that we have as a global community and that we need to go to zero carbon emissions by roughly 2100. Uh, In order to do that, we're going to have to make investments in uh, emerging technologies on the demand side, electricity, uh, sorry, efficiency, uh, smart grids, where, you know, the the variable renewables um, and distributed power generation, solar and wind, those will be key. But also, we have non-emitting nuclear technologies that we know how to operate safely that are ready to deploy at large scales today. And so the role of nuclear, part of the conversation should be, is nuclear an option to displace as much carbon as possible and buy us time um, for breakthroughs in those other technologies? Um, It could be seen as a, a stepping stone because we do have this carbon budget and and we need to act now. You mentioned the global community. Um, is Canada working with other countries on international projects or their own respective projects when it comes to nuclear? Absolutely. And one really exciting project that we're working on is under the Clean Energy Ministerial Framework, um, where we're working with um, with partners to launch a nuclear initiative under that framework. So the Clean Energy Ministerial uh, is a collection of approximately 30 countries that uh, meet at the ministerial level annually and advance um, policy discussions in a variety of different ways um, across the spectrum of clean energy technologies. Well, this year in May, Canada, the U.S., and Japan are going to 
launch a nuclear initiative and invite other countries to join us. And this will be the first time, it's significant because this will really be the first time that any country stands up in a multilateral fora that is related to clean energy and climate change and says nuclear needs to be part of the discussion. We can't just um, have our scientists talking about it and have it sort of uh, pushed out of the spotlight, it needs to be part of the, the main discussion. We have about eight countries already signed on to join us and about another seven that have expressed some interest. So um, we think it might be a turning point in the international discussion. That's, that's really interesting, and I assume it's going to take a more prominent role in uh, political uh, debates as well, I assume. At least it's going to be more prominent uh, during those discussions. What does the future of nuclear look like? Where are we heading towards? Is there some interesting technologies? Is there ways uh, that we can handle waste differently? What's what's happening on that front? Let me take a stab at the technology side, and then uh, Dave can speak to the waste issues. So on the technology side, in uh, in Canada and around the world, small modular reactors are, are the buzz right now. Uh, there's lots of innovation taking place uh, to develop what we are calling SMRs, or small modular reactors. These are um, new and innovative reactors. Um, they're smaller as the name says. They're also modular. There, many of them are being designed so that they could be factory produced um, and then uh, shipped to locations, including off-grid locations and assembled at site. Um, many of them promise improved safety features, things like passive safety, walk-away safety, uh, where as soon as something goes wrong, the laws of physics automatically turn the whole thing off. Instead of, uh, instead of heating up, it automatically cools off. That seems much um, safer. <laughs> well, it's one way of improving safety for sure. Um, and what's interesting about these is the um, the potential applications. So in Canada, uh, these innovations are being contemplated for applications on grid in some provinces that don't have the capacity for another full-scale can-do. So there are some provinces that are trying to get off of coal, and they're looking at SMRs as one of their options for, uh, for getting off of coal and keeping their uh, electricity decarbonized. Um, and other possible applications, there's mining and heavy industry and oil sands um, production where they need to get off of, um, off of coal and off of uh, GHG emitting sources as well. And there are SMR, um, SMR designs that promise to provide combined heat and power with really high quality steam, which would be great for those applications. And then the third possible application in Canada is uh, in the remote north communities where they're presently reliant on diesel. Um, some of those communities are looking at uh, wind and solar to get them partially off of diesel, but it won't be able to get them completely off of diesel. And so there are SMRs that are looking to couple with, you could have a wind turbine and an SMR working together and get the community off of diesel. Some of these uh, innovations are um, possibly going to be deployment ready within the next five years. Others are further out in the 20 year time frame, but there's lots of really interesting technological work taking place. And then I would just say in terms of, you asked what sort of new and cooking uh, in nuclear, uh, I think worldwide also there's an important story to tell. Uh, and can-do is part of that worldwide story. So China is ramping up to become, um, they definitely have the most ambitious uh, nuclear expansion uh, plan in place for civil power generation. And uh, can-do is uh, in negotiations working with the Chinese to be part of that story. So they already operate some can-do reactors. And now 
um, SNC Lab and I can do energy is working with them on the design of the advanced fuel can do reactor and what's really neat about that reactor is China has a fleet of light water reactors a different kind of technology and the light water reactors when um, when they're done with their fuel package and they have the spent fuel or waste you could call it waste but uh, if you take it from if you take the spent fuel from four of these reactors you can then use that to fully fuel one AFCR advanced fuel can do reactor so it'll um, it's like a, a second burn on the fuel get more energy out of the same amount of uranium and reduce your your long-term waste uh, issues so uh, so lots of really interesting innovations taking place in Canada and abroad wow that's really interesting uh, Dave, I'm going to let you uh, stick handle the uh, the waste aspect. Well, I think one of the major criticisms of uh, <clears throat> nuclear energy has been the lack of a solution for the uh, nuclear fuel waste uh, that uh, is the result of the process. And I think that we're seeing some progress in that area, some very significant progress. I think there's international consensus that geologic repositories are the proper uh, end state for the disposal of uh, nuclear fuel waste. And in fact, now we're seeing the first uh, nuclear uh, geologic repository being constructed in Finland. And uh, so they've been the first to get off the mark. And other countries are, are, are following suit. The Swedes are moving ahead, the French. In Canada, we have really the, what I consider to be the gold standard in terms of a process underway to build public confidence for a deep geologic repository for our nuclear fuel waste, and that's being led by the Nuclear Waste Management Organization, which is an organization of the nuclear utilities and the owners of the, um, of the waste. And uh, they're moving forward with uh, volunteer communities who are interested in actually hosting a facility for the long-term management because uh, they, see, uh, they see benefits and they see uh, obligation. And uh, I think uh, that the process is uh, working out very well. And uh, other countries are looking at our process and uh, seeing that it's something that they should be re replicating in their own countries. So I see that part as being very ex exciting. Well, this is this has been a really interesting conversation. Thank you so much, Dave and Dan, for uh, for demystifying nuclear energy for us. Uh, thank you. Our pleasure. You're welcome. Now's the point of the episode where we ask you to continue the conversation over social media. If you have any questions for Dan or Dave, or if you have comments on the episode, we'd like you to get on Twitter and tweet at us using the hashtag AskAnarchan. Also, if you're interested in learning more about the subject, we encourage you to visit our online magazine, Simply Science, at www.nrcan.gc.ca slash simply hyphen science. And look for the podcast page on nuclear, the forgotten clean energy. We'll have links available to any relevant material. While you're there, take the time to browse Simply Science. We have a lot of great content for you. We have previous podcast episodes, we have articles and videos as well that showcase NRCAN science and scientists. And if you like this episode and you're listening to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, please consider subscribing so you can check out any previous or future episodes. Well, that's it for us today. Thank you for listening. We look forward to hearing from you, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>